Welcome to Queer Indie, a podcast where we have conversations with artists and musicians about music and their personal journey within the music industry. On this episode, we have Nina Diaz, originally the lead singer of Girl Nakoma. In the past few years, she's recently gone solo and released her debut solo album, The Beat Is Dead, in 2016. She's currently working on her sophomore album with the help of Patreon. With that being said, let's go straight into the interview with Nina Diaz. So I guess I'll start off this podcast by asking you a very generic question. What was your first experience with the music industry like? My first experience with the music industry. Well, when it comes to the business side, I didn't really understand that until getting signed with my, my previous band, Girl in a Coma. We got signed to Joan Jett's label, Blackheart Records, when I was 17. We kind of got lucky with that when it came to the signing with them because the contract itself was literally just one page. And you see these in the movies and stuff where it's like this thick contract and you know, all these words you don't understand. And even to this day, I'm like, why can't they just make the contract simple? It's because they want to trick you in some things. But with Blackheart, it was very easy peasy. This is what we're going to do. This is because it's an independent label as well. And then it's Joan Jett who paved the way for female musicians. We felt like we would definitely be taken care of. So I'm very grateful that the beginning of my experience when it comes to the business aspect seemed to be pretty secure, you know, with, with Blackheart Records and when it came to payment, that's a different thing of understanding our worth, uh, which shows, you know, because that's the game, right? Everybody wants, especially when it's the venue, they just want to make the most money. And of course, as artists, we would like to get paid fairly, but usually an intimidating energy comes a lot more from a venue. And so I think it took a good amount of time till we finally knew our worth of, of we're bringing in certain people. And again, being all female, sometimes we would get criticized if we would speak up for ourselves of the classic, they're being diva, they're hard to work with. But I, and it wasn't that at all. It's just that we're starting to understand our worth. And even to this day, now as a solo artist, um, that's still something that I keep in mind of knowing my worth uh, when it comes to, to payment. So with the, with, I guess that kind of answers the question, right? Like with the music industry, as far as the business side, because um, creatively yeah. is like a whole other world of things, but that that's what comes to mind like right away when when answering and thinking about that question since you were signed at 17 um i guess you could answer it then and now what's your definition of success and has it changed oh it has changed a lot so i feel like i have a way better understanding of success because then i think and not to speak for my ex-band mate but i think there was definitely a lot of pressure put on each other's shoulders um, and, and I felt a lot of pressure as far as I'm the lead singer, I'm the main writer of, of the responsibility of fulfilling my two bandmates dreams as well, you know, of, yeah, we're at different age, uh, we were at different ages, but yet we still did have a similar goal, but we were all growing. Um, and again, we, there's an eight year difference and our paths kind of went some different ways. So I, I feel like the idea of success changed because at first it was like success is we, we're gonna make it we gotta make it big we're gonna make a bunch of albums and tour and just tour 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 financial success as well you know but number one I, I like to think was of course the music and just being able to create but as you go along in the industry and and with my ex-bandmates it did get to a level of success being um material things as well you know of 
of how far ahead are we in things. Um, we need to turn this in in time to be looked at, to be praised. You know, there was like a, um, a bit of ego that came in at that time of success. And I feel like when I got sober, I, I, I'm seven years sober now. So seven years ago, when I first, when the, so, when the sobriety actually took, because I tried to, to be sober many times before that, and I definitely fell off the wagon many a times, my idea of success became inner, as, as cliche as it sounds, became inner peace and self-acceptance. That became success to me as just a person. And then as an artist, to actually enjoy what I'm doing again, because there was a moment where I, I stopped enjoying it. I had to, to really reflect on why, why am I not enjoying this anymore? And it wasn't just a material thing, it was an energy thing. So for me now, success is following my intuition being surrounded by like-minded people as much as I can, can make that happen. Because of course, in this industry, you're going to have to talk to some people that you just want to just smack them in the face sometimes because some things they say are like, that's very rude what you just said, but I have to just get through this conversation because of a business thing, you know, which in any job, right? Sometimes you have to bite your tongue, but it is getting to a point where it's hard to bite your tongue, but we'll just see what happens in, in time when it comes to that. But now, Success is inner peace. Success is being able to pay my rent and is also success. That, that's, that's nice to be able to help my parents out, to help my family out. And, and me and my husband would like to have children one day. So to be able to provide for my family, just like anybody else would, would want to provide for their family is, is success to me now too. I think also when you're younger, you have this idea of like, oh, like Hollywood and bright lights, right. and boatloads of money. But realistically, that's not always the case. And exactly right. It's always the cliche thing, too. When, when we see these stories of people that did make it big, they did. They have all this great stuff, these, these mansions, but they're, they're so depressed or they're, you know, something inside is missing. And I feel like that that's maybe a reason why, I mean, with Girl in a Coma, we had a lot of great success. I mean, we got to tour with our idol, you know, like toured all over the overseas United States we did a lot of great things you know but we never reached maybe that mainstream success like super super mainstream and I think it's for a reason because of especially where I was mentally if that had happened sooner in my career I probably wouldn't be alive just because of things that I needed to work out um, and now I feel like I have a better handle on myself that if anything else happens to come my way as far as any mainstream success, I, I feel like I could better handle it now, you know, because you, again, you see those horror stories of people that I didn't know what to expect. And I think it's because if you don't have an understanding of yourself and you reflect too much on what other people think of you, of course, you're going to lose yourself. So, so it is good to, to have that, that uh, self-assurance as you continue on in any industry, but especially in something where you're constantly being judged, like in music or in art. Do you think that streaming services such as Spotify are a big threat to like upcoming artists and young musicians? See, that's the thing. It's when it comes to the, the payment, that's not cool. When it comes to what artists get from there, I feel like it needs to change. But at the same time, it is a game, isn't it? It's kind of a game uh, when, say, you're, a song is on a, on a playlist and it gets sent to somebody else and that happens to do syncing for a TV show. And they're like, oh, I like that song. It's, it's all luck at the same time. And I do feel like platforms like Spotify do help to get that 
outreach when it comes to the music um, and they know that that's the thing it's like when somebody has that power it's like you wish it could be a utopia where they'd say oh yeah I have this power but I also want to pay you what you do at the same time which you're lucky if you get that but most of the time unfortunately in this world of of ego and greed that's not going to be the case most of the time so you kind of just have to play the game you know at times and when it comes to Spotify I, I, it would be great if the payment could be better. I mean, that's something, of course, to fight for. But when it comes to being able to have your songs maybe in certain playlists to get out there, that's that's the bonus that hopefully maybe it does lead to a connection where you can find work in another way that could pay you more. Maybe somebody hears your song there and they're like, oh, I want you to write a song for my movie. I heard the way you write. Or, oh, I want to use your song in this or that. So... It's very interesting because it is a game. It really is. I agree. And I never thought of it that way. Uh, when I first came up with these series of questions, I was thinking more along the lines of like algorithms and how kind of figure out this code of like, how can you get this song streamed a certain amount of time? Mm -hmm. And obviously like social media plays a part in it. And I know that you do have some social media platforms, but as an artist, uh, especially an independent artist, do you feel that you need to create like a TikTok to say relevance? Is there a sense of pressure? There, there can be pressure. There definitely can be pressure. And whenever I start to feel that pressure, that's when I step away. I feel I'm, I'm losing myself. It's so difficult because sometimes it is you have to play a certain part to be you, you feel like you have to play a certain part to be seen. And that is exactly the kind of programming I'm trying to change in my brain from the way I used to think in my previous band. And, and granted, in my previous band, I was not the one in charge of the social media. It was actually mainly done by my sister. Um, she was the, the tech savvy one. And um, maybe by the label, uh, I was I was just in my the garage writing or getting into trouble. You know, like that was my job in Girl in a Coma was to write, get on the stage, sing, cause some trouble, get sober, get drugged, then get sober. You know, that's its own journey. So now as a solo artist, when I first, like with The Beat is Dead, I had a manager at that time that was very much about, you know, you have to make these posts, you have to make these posts. And I guess in my brain, I kind of put this wall against post and, and, and felt like very uncomfortable and like, I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want you to tell me what to do. But then at the same time, I want to connect with my fans. So I think now, especially as I'm self-managing and I'm not on the label at, at this time, I feel like I'm kind of having like a fresh start, a clean slate, but with this wisdom of knowing there are fans that that want to connect with me, that, that I'm so grateful that I've been there uh, and continue to grow since the Girl in a Coma days. And I think they're okay if they don't see me post something every single day. And if it's somebody that wants to see something every single day, I don't know if I'm the right artist for you. Like maybe, like I, I have my certain temperament. I, I know I have my certain attitude. And I think in order for us to get along as artist and fan, we need to find a balance. And if one is doing too much of the other and feels off, then that's something that needs to be addressed and hopefully worked through. And if it's not, then maybe it just doesn't mix. You know, fans and artists, it's, it's a relationship as well. And I think now with the social media, because I don't like to check my phone every 10 seconds. And like whenever I find myself starting to do that, I, I'm like, I need to turn my phone off for a little while because I'm not playing my guitar or I'm not, you know, I'm not doing something that, that completely fulfills me, which is something that I post about. It's like a whole catch 22, right? So that's why when I started um, Patreon, I feel like that helps me to kind of purge a little more vulnerably than I would um, on my social media. Um, 
because again, yeah, it, it will drive me crazy to think I have to post something every single day. Um, I, I like to just, I, I don't like to be too silent, um, but I am learning how to use my platform in a way that not only brings me up, but also um, organizations I believe in or anything that I feel passionate about um, with respect to myself and whatever it is that I'm talking about. You know, as a communications major, we're studying the fact that like algorithms are a real thing, you know, and that one, I think it's hard as an artist because it's like you have to build a community. You have to build that social capital, you know, giving, giving and taking, you know, like you want to interact with your fans, take a connection with them, but also kind of maintaining your mental health and sanity at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like uh, that, like seesaw where it's like, you know, like you're, there's ups and downs and knowing when to like quit and stop. Exactly. We'll continue this conversation about social media in just a bit, but going back to Spotify for just a second. Mm-hmm. So obviously Spotify has been notorious for their payment scales when it comes to streams. Have Has this affected you um, in a deep or remarkable way where you're like, hey, this needs to change or like we should be vocal about this as artists? Whenever I see the payments that come into my bank account from, from something like Spotify or, or from iTunes, and again, I, I notice how small it is. It's a bummer. It is a bummer. I don't know what it, it's like, I'm still trying to digest it because again, with Girl in a Coma, I was used to, I, I would write, I'd go in the studio, we tour. I, I didn't really concern myself too much about all of that because I was just in this whole other world. And then when it, our main source of income would usually come most of the time from, from tours. So now, especially with the pandemic, you definitely do see where that income could have helped a lot more if you were getting paid properly from platforms like Spotify. I think it is something worth fighting for. I mean, it is your art, right? Um, so that's something that I still need to have more research into how to, how to really begin it. You know, I, I mean, it's already started. I know there's already artists that are fighting for it, but how, how I see myself in it, where I see I can I can use my voice in the best place for it. I think... Maybe I'm kind of rebelling against Spotify right now in a weird way because I've been using Bandcamp um, to post up like my cover songs and some new material. Um, maybe subconsciously I'm kind of protesting against Spotify without me re- even realizing that I'm protesting ag- against it. So it's it's really interesting to to notice that. For someone like me and our listeners, what exactly is the difference between a digital sale and a physical sale in terms of royalties for an artist? With the digital sale, the whatever, even at Bandcamp, they take like a point something percentage for processing fee or for um, what's the, what's the other name for it? I know definitely processing fee is one of it. How's the best analogy to say for that? It's kind. Of, it's like you're renting a space with them. You know, you're okay. renting a space, and you have to pay your rent in a way. So every time you're able, that they, they buy something from you there, you got to pay the 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 owner of of it. Even though it's your your clothes, your objects in the space, it's like you're making it the home, but you didn't build the actual physical building. You're just renting an apartment in there with all of your passions and everything in there. When it comes to using a platform um, to sell your stuff, so then you only get like a small percentage of of that because it's it's not as much as of course you would get if you were to buy it directly from the artist at, at a show or through their website or through um, if they have their own Shopify thing set up um, at least you would get 
um, a bigger chunk because it's going straight to the source. It's almost like hitting the vein, like with injection of, of whatever, whenever you gotcha. go straight to the artist rather than like taking a, a release pill of something when you go on, on Spotify, um, that, that'll take longer for you to get an effect of it rather than just going straight to source. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Bandcamp. I did a little research on them. I think they were founded maybe 2009, 2010, around that time. It makes me think of Radiohead in a sense. I think it was in 2007. I could be wrong. They released their album in Rainbows. Yeah. Yeah. And basically for the first, I think it was the first couple of months, they kind of like self-released this album digitally. And they kind of did this thing where you could pay as little as a dollar or as much as you want. And it was kind of like this experiment. And, you know, at that time, that was crazy. It's like, what are you doing? You're going to lose so much money. They actually beat kind of the revenue that expected yeah. rejection sales. And I think, you know, I'm not sure if there's any correlation, but that's kind of a smart move in a sense. Like, hey, like you could put a suggested price, but if you feel like you, you, exactly. you want to pay us more, it's like, feel free. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where the trust comes in and the... It is extreme vulnerability that way too. And that's where you have to check yourself to know if you price something at $5, but then you still say, oh, pay what you want. If they pay the $5, they pay the $5, you know? But mm-hmm. if somebody else happens, to, that doesn't mean like, oh, I hope that they're going to give me more. It's it's giving them that option of, of whatever you feel, you know, because I've been in situations before where I'm like, I got to I gotta pay something. I wish I could give you more, but this is all I can give you right now. So I I, I think it's a great way to, when I talked about earlier of that, that balance between the fans and the artists, I think that's a Bandcamp is a great source of being able to, to have a nice little communication between each other where nobody feels like anybody's feelings getting hurt. And then we also have new content coming out the, the fans at the same time. I agree. I'm really thankful for platforms like that. It really helps out the artists and also gives us a sense of intimacy, which is pretty bizarre because, you know, if you really think about it, not, every artist is fortunate enough to have it. Like, you know, you're not going to see your Britney Spears or your Ariana Grande, like messaging you back and forth on, you know, Patreon or responding to every comment. Yeah. That's, it's interesting that sometimes when I check my comments and, and somebody will be like, is this really Nina? And I think, well, yeah, like why? And then I guess some people's perceptions, they think, and I mean, everyone sees whatever you want to see, but it's it's kind of interesting whenever somebody sees as if I'm an unreach, unreachable, like, a, you know, somebody like a Britney Spears or whatever. And it's like, nah, I'm still I live with my parents. I'm here. I check my stuff like I'm still trying to figure things out, too. So I no matter what happens in my career, I feel like this is just always some a way that I'm I will be. I feel like this is just a part of me. Of course, boundaries are boundaries. But when it comes to connection. I, I love it. You know, I, I feel like it's it, it it's a, a give and take, you know, without fans, you wouldn't have the, the artists and without the artists, you wouldn't have the, a fan, you know, so it's like we complete each other in, in a lot of ways. So speaking of this connection and fans, uh, how has the recent pandemic affected your, your career and your music? I've actually have gotten a lot done. Um, and as I say that, my I have like this app on my phone that that tells me whenever the new moon is coming in and stuff. And like this Tinkerbell sound came like jinger, jinger, jing. I've gotten a lot done um, this past year. As opposed to the year before, when I was living in LA, I had only written maybe like three new songs because I was working a day job. I, I, I was questioning a lot of things while I was living out there. There was a lot of things going on personally and 
you know, I played a handful of shows. And the, even when I moved back to San Antonio out of February of last year, I was in a really weird headspace. I remember one of the posts I, I put before the pandemic hit was kind of talking to people, letting them know how I'm kind of getting out of something um, in my head and, and slowly starting to, I was slowly starting to peek my head back out in the world. And then bam, the world's like, everyone shove your heads back in your home. Don't look, you don't, you can't see anybody. It's not safe. And when that happened, I feel like that kind of balanced me out in a way things that needed to be looked at, I was able to look at and address and start to set boundaries in certain situations in my personal life that ultimately affected me creatively, where I was able to focus more on social media and see, oh, now this is a time where everyone's definitely going to be checking their phones a lot. Um, and I, I, I guess I like to, I put myself in maybe one of the more timid um social media users where I could be maybe a little quiet at times. So even the quiet people were being able to have a shot to be looked at at the beginning, especially when the pandemic hit, because everyone was just on their phones all the time. And so uh, when it came to funds, I had a random day job, I'm scaring birds downtown that my friend helped hook me up to do. And at first I was, and it's a real job with the city where you scare birds with the laser and stuff. And oh, wow. yeah, it's real. Like they, so they don't poo poo everywhere. And I did a couple nights with them. And then like this one last night, I was like, you know, I like this. And if, but if something weird happens, I'll take that as a sign that I should stop. And that same night, a homeless person came up to me and, and my friends and was bloody in his head and was trying to touch us with the blood. And luckily there was a cop that came by and, and I was like, all right, I'm not going to go back to that job. And I thought about what, what can I do? Because like, shows are canceled. What am I going to do for funds? And I had put out um, of doing commissions of covers. And I had only thought I was going to do maybe like 10 covers. I ended up doing a total of 80 covers then. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's when the, the idea of me releasing them slowly on Bandcamp um, October of last year is when I started to release some of them. But doing those covers helped me to reconnect with my fans again and to give them content at the same time. Um, very personal, a very personal connection, you know, of being able to write each other through email and they confided in me about why they wanted me to cover this song or maybe the cover song was for someone else. And I really got to know my fan base better that way. Um, so that's why I waited a good while before I started to post them on Bandcamp because I just wanted them to be just for those people. Um, but then I started to see other people were like, hey, wait, we want to hear them. So I think that kind of opened the door for me of connection. And it made me feel good to know like, hey, y'all, y'all still, y'all still like my stuff. Like y'all still, you want to hear my version of, of, of a song that you love a lot. Um, it, it did help me to feel connected to that artist side of me again, because I feel like that side of me was lost especially as I was working a day job in LA, I, I felt kind of like, what am I doing? You know, where am I? Um, so doing that definitely helped me connect myself, not only with my fans, but musically as well, because I started to understand the structure of songs again. It's, it was like going, Jorge likes to say that it's like I went to college of doing all these, <laughs> doing all these cover songs. It's like, oh, wow, like a song that I thought would be so complicated is only these chords or a song I thought would be so easy was way complicated. It's, it was very interesting to start to look at that. Um, and of course that started to seep over into my original music. So as I started to do the cover songs that woke up 
my uh, original music to ultimately get to where we are today, where I'm working on my sophomore solo album. So since the pandemic hit, I know a lot of musicians, artists started doing online streams. Have you ever done one or was that something that you did or considered doing or was that just not your thing? When it came to the streams, I I was never conscious about them before. Um, not even the Instagram live streams. I never really used that because I, I guess maybe my only taste of streams would be if of a TV show I was happened to be performing on was streaming it or Girl Nakoma played the Polish Woodstock a long time ago, and I believe that was streamed. Um, but at that 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 was like five hundred thousand people, so that that was like a focus in itself. So I wasn't really um, focused on the streaming part of it. Even when I first did my my like kind of putting my foot into the water when it came to the Instagram live streams, I was very nervous to do that. I was very, I don't know why. Like you, I just put my phone there, and you start to see people. First, you get nervous. Is anybody even going to log in? Is anybody even going to watch? Like, does anybody care? Like, all these weird fear questions started to, like, sneak up in my brain. And then when people do start to log in or start to see them joining the conversation, joining in, I'm like, oh, they're here. They're here. Like, it just, I definitely had to, like, shake some nerves at the beginning of it. And even with classes, like, I, just the idea of being on film felt very vulnerable, um, even though I'd been doing it with interviews or something like that, but it, with an interview, it's almost like there's a, there's a direction to it. Um, you know, that there's a in and out kind of thing, but here it felt very, it's just me and you, like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to talk about? Like, it just felt extremely vulnerable. And then the classes that I would do with zoom, um, when we'd have our camera on, um, I'd feel very like, are people looking at me or like, and then I'd see, wait, is that my ego? Like, do I think people just look at me? Like there's no, like we're here for a class. So I, I feel like I had to walk through and work through a lot of things when it came to my ego and just my own um, self-esteem and um, just nerves in general that I think just, just happen. So doing the Instagram lives, I did like a handful of them kind of got me a little warmed up to it. I did try to do this app that I was connected to. I don't know if this app is still around, but it was like a dating app um, that my label at the time was like, hey, this new app is trying something out. They want to have music on there now. Do you want to give it a try? And I'm like, okay. And it was a weird kind of thing where if people liked you, they would like throw flowers at you, like like not real flowers, like the, the emoji flowers, but you would get tipped at the same time. I don't know. It just, there was a lot going on. And when we tried to do it, I had uh, internet issues um, and it just crashed and, and it didn't, we ended up not being able to do it. And I thought, well, I don't, I don't really want to do that anyways. But that was the other thing to, to realize, oh, I need to make sure my internet's good. I need to make sure, like whenever there was a mistake that might've happened, I learned from it because after doing the cover songs, which was my main source of, of income at the, at the beginning of the pandemic and being able to connect with the fans, we realized we, we want to play for them. Um, but I was, I live with my parents. Uh, you know, I, I felt I was very, very cautious of every little thing. So of course I didn't feel comfortable to go out and play. And of course at that time you couldn't go out to play 
or even in the moments when they're like, okay, everything's fine. And people would play and wait, everything's not fine. Go back in. Like, I just, I was like, I don't even want to test the waters. I'm just going to, I just want to stay in. So my, luckily my husband has a lot of patience just in general. He has a lot of patience with me, but with technology. So him and I, with our brains combined, we've been able to navigate ourselves through the world of streaming using OBS. Like these are things that I I had no comprehension of before, but now I'm like, I want to figure this out. If other people can do it, I know I can do it. Like I get like this stubborn, but then competitive, but then I just got to see what what the workings are that takes over. Uh, I think that's definitely something that's woken up in me more since being in, in, in lockdown of, I want to figure out the ins and outs of everything. So when it came to the, to streaming, we're like, why not? Like, let's do this. Like, let's see if we can figure this out. So we're still at the beginning of things because we did like our first YouTube stream the other day for my Patreon and our volume was way too low. It's like, there's a lot of trial and errors that we're definitely working through that we wouldn't face if we did go to a business that's completely known for doing streaming things but we're kind of doing a lot of things in house right now um out of safety but also because it's something that we realize we want to do like we want to start our own production company um and helping other artists that are at the same level as, as us um or even of course like any level but that we know are having a bit of a hard time maybe getting their foot in the door with certain things um, especially with funds, we want to be able to be a source for them. So we're kind of like the guinea pigs for ourselves of understanding all of this, because I would never want to put anybody through anything that I haven't kind of been through myself. So I can kind of teach them at the same time and learn with them at the same time. OBS is like the lagging stuff would get me crazy. And, and I learned how to have to let some things go. Um Pretty Paints uh, is a company based out of California and Pretty Paints Party. The owner hit me up one day on um, Crystal. The owner hit me up on on Instagram and she said if we wanted to do a collaboration together because they put together these cute, fun little paint kits um, with everything you need. And um, she's like, let's make some limited edition Nina Diaz things and we could do a stream. And that was like my first kick in the booty of starting to do streams like and I, I tell her every time like thank you for hitting me up because I was kind of still tapping my foot in the water when it came to like Instagram live but doing the pretty paints streams really kick-started all of this thing that that we are that where we are now when it comes to my husband and I working with our production uh, we're calling it beat girl production of where we're doing streamings and videos and everything from home I was I plan to post some of those pretty paint streams on my patreon just as like special um, exclusive things because it was fun. I mean, you came to a couple of them. So it was, I think you came to all of them. Didn't you come to all of them? I went to two. They were so much fun. I was at the first and second one. I think not only was it, I guess, an eye-opening experience for you, like as an artist, like learning how to stream. But I think for a lot of us, it felt like, oh, we could have date night. Like me and my yeah. boyfriend at the time. Um, we were like, okay, what do we do? Like, okay, let's get a bottle of wine and let's paint. And that was our date night. And it's like, when you said that you were doing the second one, I'm like, okay, well, cool. Now we have a, another date night to look forward to like in a month. Like, this is so much fun. Right, exactly. That's And I started to see it that way too when it came to streams of um, like kind of like that Portlandia episode from the one where they 
they had like the virtual concert where they put on the head and they could stay at home though because they don't want to be in the long lines or be in the portable. Yeah. Like it's kind of like that where it's like, oh, we could be at home and, and it's definitely one, a different type of energy. And yeah, it's, we miss the live shows, but it is nice to have this extreme vulnerable connection with, with the fans and especially with the pretty paints things collabs I did the first one was super intimate right like it was only a handful of people and then the second one there was definitely a lot more uh, and the third one there was maybe half of the amount of the second one but it was still very intimate and I feel like the progression of what I was able to show people of like the first one was just me and my acoustic and then the second one it was me and and Jorge and playing the samples and using OBS you know it kind of it, it definitely again like kicked me in the booty to like let's let's have something a little more presentable this time like yeah your fans love you they're gonna understand but let's start to get things together like let's you know let's let's kind of iron things out a little bit there's still a lot more to learn but doing the pretty paints collabs was not only an eye-opening experience for streaming but a cute way for people to like you said to have date night again so it seems like you're gaining a good understanding of, of streaming and technology and the ever-changing aspects of the music industry. But in your opinion, what does the future of the music street, music industry look like? I like to think that the future of the music industry has a lot more feminine energy. I, w- I, don't want, I won't say necessarily like women. Because even men can have that feminine energy, right? Because we have that balance within each other. Just that sensitivity, it would be nice. Because at the end of the day, yes, it is a competitive occupation. But I do feel like we can be more sensitive to the artists, to the the fans at the same time. So I'd like to think that with these platforms like Patreon, or um, you know, Bandcamp, where artists can really take control of the narrative, can really take control of their art and give it directly to the source. And then in return, have the source give back to them. I feel like that's cutting out a lot of people that maybe needed to be cut out as far as the greedy people um, in the industry. But again, there's always going to be greed. I mean, it's human nature. We're going to have greed in any any occupation that's what's part of living part of being human you're going to face all the different things of of sensations and then unfortunately greed is one of them so i think the future of the music industry after everything that we've learned and hopefully that we've learned in this past year when it comes to just how to treat people and acceptance self-acceptance acceptance of others uh understanding compassion openness the theory of being woke hopefully that that really does stick with a lot of people and and people in the in in the industry that we can be more giving with each other because that's the whole point of this is to is to give and to inspire each other and to be fair with each other i i i'd like to 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 see that in the future but we just have to see you know because i'd like to think maybe there was there's going to be a renaissance when all of this is done when, when the pandemic is, has really passed. Um, Cause that tends to be what history has taught us after something that's like a, a, the depression or anything that's the, the, the plague, anything that's been very detrimental to society. 
when life seems to come back and it's a boom and, and sales are up, everyone's love, peace, everything. So I'd like to think that maybe that's right around the corner for us. And I'd like to think that maybe it'll stay a little longer and greed won't capture it, capture its soul. <laughs> so hopefully more peace and love and, and fun, fun. Yeah. So my last question, I'm not sure if you'll have an answer for it. You don't have to answer it if you don't have an answer. Can an independent musician be successful within the music industry? Successful financially? It's possible. I think it is possible. It's possible as long as, like, for for instance, I'm an independent artist, right? And the temperament that I have, I'm mindful of knowing that there's some things that maybe... Maybe uh, there's a song for for a certain, you know, commercial or something that they, they might be looking for um, where using my craft to write something that's not necessarily part of my art, but it might pay the bills of being mindful of knowing that might have to happen from time to time. There's many artists throughout time that, that maybe did something that even painters way back in the day where they're like, oh, I have to paint this portrait because this is what pays the bills this is what pays for the art that I really like to make. This is what pays for the art that I love to make. So I think of being mindful of maybe of, of knowing sometimes it is a dance as an independent artist to know sometimes you have to dance in between some of those things of what might be considered mainstream with respect to yourself. Of course, you don't want to do anything where you feel uncomfortable of knowing, okay, I'm going to maybe sing a song that, isn't going to be my favorite song to sing forever, but I'll know that this is going to give me some money to be able to pay for something I need in my studio or something that I need to be able to give what I'm truly passionate about to my fans. Um, that's just where I'm at as, as an independent artist. There might be other people that say, no, you just stick straight to your art and that's it. But I, I know that there has to be a bit of a dance um, that I'm learning. And, and, but again, with respect to myself of not losing myself, so financially, when it comes to success of being an independent artist, it is possible of understanding a dance until you get the masses of what you would like as far as um, the finances coming in, um, like gaining my Patreon audience, that that would be great to, to continue to see that because not only are we connecting one-on-one, but I'm also able to fund the album and you know pay rent and, and buy groceries and stuff like that. Um, when it comes to success as independent artists mentally, oh, definitely. Like right away, like that's a, I feel like I have no one else to blame. And that feels great because when I, I've been a part of other things, I, there's always the blame game of you didn't do this enough or you didn't do that enough or why didn't they understand me or why? Now I can't blame anybody. Now I can just see what did I do today to help myself or help my art? that I can't put on somebody else's shoulders because this is my child. Like, this is my baby. What am I doing for myself today to help myself feel connected? So to, even though there's more pressure that way, um, but at the same time, it feels lighter because I know that I have the, uh, the responsibility of it. So mentally, there's definitely a lot more success. Financially, the success I'm hopeful for, you know, as far as as the numbers getting higher and higher. Um, but I don't feel too worried. You know, I feel I've, I'm just, I'm more grateful for my mental health than anything else. 
Alrighty, Nina, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain about music and the music industry and sharing your experiences with me on the podcast. Of course, thank you for asking. All right, well, we'll talk to you soon and uh, good luck with Patreon and all your creative endeavors. Thank you, I miss you. Miss you I'll too. Talk to you later, hon. Thank you again, Nina. It was really nice catching up with you talking about music and picking your brain a bit about the music industry. The next episode will conclude the series Queer Indie as we interview Kate Nash and pick her brain about the music industry and Patreon and have an in-depth conversation about Spotify. I'm really excited. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll see you next time with, with Kate Nash.